You're listening to Artistic Finance Show 111. Today, we get an update on the Artistic Finance 6K, the $6,000 of investments that we made in May of 2021. We're joined by a bond investment CEO and a data analyst to review how our investments compare to the S&P 500. And a new experiment begins. Our guests have purchased $1,000 investments of their own to see how they can do against my investments and the market at large. As you listen today, if you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron. You can do that at patreon.com slash artistic finance. I hope you enjoy the episode as much as we had recording it. Without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. Welcome, and thank you for listening. I'm Ethan Steimel, coming out of New York City, and today I welcome back my superstar armchair investor panel. We have the CEO of the bond investing app Liquidify joining us from Denver, Maitre Gopalakrishnan. Hello, Ethan. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And we have a leader in data and analytics at a financial firm that we will call Worldwide Wickets, joining from St. Louis, Katie Berman. Hello. Excited to be back. Well, okay, two new things about this episode is one, we're on video for the first time. So if you want to see our lovely faces... And the other thing is Ebony, who's been a part of these for a while, is unable to make it. So may she rest in peace. She is busy working, working. All right. So we're recording this on August 9th, 2022. And this week, a Texas church ran an illegal production of Hamilton and was ordered to close. Producers announced that Adrian Kennedy's The Ohio State Murders is going to open on Broadway in November at the newly named James Earl Jones Theater, going to be directed by Kenny Leone. And I just recorded an episode with actor Ken Page, and we talk about his role in the original production of Cats on Broadway, and that's going to be next week's episode. Uh, Maitre, what's going on in Colorado? You know I looked something up, um, just to be prepared. The goofiest piece of news that I could find was that uh, the South Park creators have been running into some trouble with uh, working on the Casa Bonita after they purchased it, uh, I think, a year ago. So... I don't know if you're somebody who watches South Park, but there are a lot of references to different places in Colorado because it's all set in a town in Colorado. The Casa Bonita is a very famous, not very great restaurant slash amusement area that a lot of people visit. Uh, I know we took a field trip through it when we were in elementary school, and it's a little bit of a bizarre experience. They were pretty run down, and we're not really getting the financing to to do any renovations. And so then the South Park creators who have featured this location in their shows purchased the place. They realized that it's really hard to renovate buildings. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow, fantastic. Yeah. Okay, well, I don't watch South Park, but... The creators wrote The Book of Mormon, which is a Broadway yeah. musical. And in our episode about Cats, the musical, Cats is the fourth longest running Broadway show in history. Wicked's about to overtake it, so it's going to become fifth place. And the next nearest show for longest running is The Book of Mormon. But it needs another seven years before it can have performed longer than Cats. Oh, wow. 
it is an so, excellent show. So <laughs> yeah, so those creators are using their Broadway money to fund this sort of bad investment the cost of deal. The <laughs> <laughs> Very possibly. And they're really, really questionable quesadillas and tacos. <laughs> yes. Amazing. All right. Well, hopefully one day we'll all get to go there and enjoy it in its um, renovated beauty or something. Absolutely. Uh, Katie, what is going on in St. Louis? We had, so a week ago, I think last week's news is what I figured was most interesting. So first of all, we had our primaries last elections last week, learning who our Candidates are going to be in November. If you follow anything about Missouri, you know we have a Senate seat up. Interesting race there. (laughs) And we also got a record-setting 12 inches of rain last week. I had heard that the previous record was 6 inches, so we doubled it in one night. One night we got 12 inches of rain. It was wild. There was lots of flooding. And now it's all finally subsiding, I think. But it was crazy. Wow. 12 inches in one day. Yeah. That's crazy. Overnight. Yeah. We had our neighborhood was flooded at the entrance. Lots of other people I know had flooded basements, ruined furniture, carpet, etc. Luckily, our house itself stayed dry. But yeah, it was crazy. Wow. Did you go like kayaking at the entrance of your yeah, neighborhood? <laughs> Luckily, we have like an alternative way out, but that meant we had to kind of take the long way to get to the highway that day. So it just made our commute longer. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. From what I understand, it there was a lot of flooding, but no, like not a lot of deaths. There was a lot of property and stuff damaged, but I have not heard about human loss of life. No. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. That crazy, crazy raining. Um, okay. All right. So just like to throw out this disclaimer, which is that none of us are financial professionals and everybody should seek professional advice before they make any decisions, especially financial decisions, but all decisions <laughs> consult a professional. Katie, Maitre, dearly beloved, we are all gathered here today for the Q1 review of the 6K Investing Special Year 2. So we're now past a year and a day. We're going to find out if the artistic finance investments that were chosen by yours truly are outperforming or underperforming the market. To bring us all up to speed again, we invested six $1,000 investments across traditional and alternative assets. We've reviewed it every three months. Today's review is one year and one quarter, one year and three months from when we acquired those things. Spoiler alert, if you haven't heard the previous episodes, there has not been a single quarter, we're in our fifth now, that uh, I have beat the market. (laughs) So if anybody needed any more evidence on the overwhelming stack of evidence that says don't pick individual investments and don't let Ethan pick anything, this is that proof here. (laughs) Today, we're adding a new twist that I can't remember if we announced last time, but we certainly did off air. And that is our panel here is going to pick a $1,000 investment of their own to track. So everyone's going to pick one. So we get to find out today what everyone has picked. Then we can start tracking those to see if you guys can beat me. And not only just beat me, we'll see if you can beat the market. Because I suspect you could beat me, but we'll see if you can beat Mr. Market. Okay, so can we get right to that? Maitre, can I ask you, what investment did you pick? True to my company brand, I went with bonds and I specifically invested in I-bonds. I also actually invested in corporate bonds, so I'm curious to see what how those are going to perform relative to one another. Um, just a little bit, but 
I wanted to experiment. I bonds have a fixed rate. At the time that you invest, you know, there's a certain interest rate that you can expect. Um, and that only gets updated every six months based on what the overall rates are. It's not as volatile, I guess, as the rest of the markets. Yeah. Looking forward to see how how it looks uh, in, in six months and a year. Okay. So I semi-zoned out. You said corporate bonds and I-bonds. Is it a mix of the two? Yeah. So I invested $1,000 into purchases of I-bonds, which are issued by the government. And so that's where you go on the treasury.gov website. And it's a little bit janky, um, but you eventually figure it out. Um, it's like getting a driver's license. <laughs> That's kind of the the setup of the website. Yeah, so I invested thousand dollars there, and then thousand dollars into a corporate bond issued by um, a publicly traded company that had actually a lower interest rate, but potentially it'll pay off. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Interesting. So you did two one thousand dollar investments. I did. Whoa, whoa, whoa! My trade. I know. We're going crazy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um. Okay, so I, can you say what that corporate bond, like what that company is? I'm just I did a JP Morgan one, and it was really just based on constraints, honestly, that there's limitations on how many, like the minimum number of bonds that you are allowed to purchase for a lot of issuers. And so there was a JP Morgan bond that I found that seemed to have a pretty good profile generally. Um, and it was one of the few where I could just get one and see what happened. And I didn't have to get like 20 and yeah. shell out $20,000 <laughs> into one investment. It was just more of an experiment. Um, but yeah, JP Morgan, I don't remember what the interest rate was, but yeah. Okay, amazing. So my trade does not deem artistic finance as worthy enough to spend $20,000 on. <laughs> Interesting. All right. <laughs> Um, okay, so you don't remember what the interest was for J.P. Morgan, the bond, uh, but it was le it's less than the I-bond. What is the I-bond interest at? The I-bond interest was, I believe it was 9.6% when I got it. The J.P. Yeah. Morgan one was less. I want to say it was like 8, um, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, the difference, though, is that with the I-bond, I'm not going to get coupon payments. So like every twice a year with a lot of bonds, you get paid out like a coupon payment with I bonds. You don't, um, you basically just get everything at the end, um, with JP Morgan bonds or corporate bonds. Generally you get your payout basically semi-annually every six months. And then you get the thousand dollars that you originally invested or thereabouts at the end of the term. Yeah. And what, what is the term for each one? I-bonds, you can't sell them for a year. Between one and five years, I think you incur a three-month interest penalty. Ideally, you want to hold on to your bonds past five years, but, you know, it's not the worst thing, um, especially now, like, where inflation and everything is at, um, if you need to take that penalty. And then after five years, there's no penalty. You can just pull that money. You can cash in the bond anytime. For a JP Morgan, the maturity is in 2027 or 2028. I forget what it is at this point, but it's like somewhere in the five to six year territory. Okay. So last time when we reached a year and a day for me, I was like, okay, are we going to sell? Are we going to get out? Are we going to move? You you are locked in for, in a, in a perfect world, ideally you're locked in for five years. Something like that. Yeah, at least. I guess you can sell earlier, 
for I bonds, it's probably easier, but for JP Morgan bond or any corporate bonds, like you can sell your bond. Um, it's totally fine. From my understanding, it's kind of hard for a retail investor, like an individual investor that's just selling a one one single $1,000 bond to actually make a good amount of money off of that sale, mm. uh, just because of fees and all of that kind of thing um, for selling a one-off bond. So it's better to just generally it's better to hold on until maturity. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you have $1,000 of I bonds that you're holding on to for five years and you have a thousand on the JP Morgan bond. Okay. So I bonds, I understand very easy to get the website's a little janky, but if mm-hmm. you can get on and figure it out, it's treasurydirect.gov. The JP Morgan, um, how did you purchase that? Like jpmorgan.com? Uh, no, I just went on my brokerage site. So um, Charles Schwab has a whole listing of bonds that are available for purchase. And then they have like minimum purchase amounts and then what the price is that you, you're you going to be purchasing the bond at and all of the details. And so I just went in there, just like what I do for a stock or ETF, um, went ahead and purchased it. On the back end, I think it's a very different process because it's not on an exchange or whatever. But for me, it was just click the button and select that I wanted one bond. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I have Robinhood app, but I don't think they do. They don't do individual bonds. They do bond ETFs and mutual funds, but not individual bonds. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Maitre, I was thinking of you recently because I listened to this podcast called the Investors Podcast, and they okay. have one called Bitcoin Fundamentals. They have many versions and they put them all into one feed. So this was okay. the Bitcoin one, but they had a bond guy on there to talk about bonds. And he does like, somehow the way he figures out bonds is he ties it to certain cryptocurrencies. And then he'll be like, this bond is good. And he was he was really explaining it amazingly because he was like, yeah, Bitcoin, we do the bond for Ethereum a little bit. But he was like, these other ones that have been um, tanking and disappearing lately, he's like, as from the bond trader perspective, we knew not to invest in that because what we do with bonds are very safe, secure is like yeah. we go to what is the underlying asset. So he's like, so a bond from an airline, we look at what is underneath that. Like, do they have airplanes underneath that? Are they selling insurance under that? Like we figure out what the actual actual thing is. And yeah. so he said with a lot of these cryptocurrencies, he's like, I could have told you that these were all not good because I look at like, what is the actual inherent underlying value? All that to say is I'm gonna send you a link to that episode because it went over my head. But I was like, <laughs> my tray would eat this up. She would know exactly what these like yield term, all these words <laughs> that he's saying. Oh my gosh, I would love to listen to that episode. Thank you. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll also put it in the show note links. All right, Katie, on to you here. What is your $1,000 investment? Yeah, so I did three, actually. I did uh, one stock and two different mutual funds. For the mutual funds, I went with ones that my financial advisor recommended. One of them is a value fund. The other one is a rising dividend blended fund. So I guess has a mix of growth and value companies in it. The stock that I chose was PayPal. That just happens to be one that I've been interested in for a long time. And I've... um, it's not done super well as the last year. <laughs> well, I don't know if say year, but a few months ago, it started going down. So I was like, oh, this is, this is the time to buy it when it's closer to a low. So decided to do that one as well. 
Okay. All right. PayPal, an individual stock. Crazy, crazy <laughs> choice. The mutual funds, what is a value fund? Like, what does the value mean in that? It means that it's made up of companies that are considered value. So they're not, they're not growth considered, but it's called growth companies. So that just means that they're considered to have more like steady growth over time versus growth companies can be more volatile. They're riskier, could potentially have higher returns. So the value is considered a safer, it's closer to like an index fund or something like that. It's so like um, is Coca-Cola, is that a value stock? Yep. Because yeah, pretty like, much anything Warren Buffett invests in is a value stock. So yeah, sometimes things like utilities or companies that are just well established that aren't seeing exponential growth anymore are ones that are considered value. Okay, slow so, and steady. Nobody, yeah. Nobody's expecting them to like jump up quickly. Right. And they're probably not going to tank quickly. I can say that this one, I was pulling it up. Um, while my dream is talking, so I'd be prepared to answer questions. The top holdings for this fund are Johnson & Johnson, J.P. Morgan, Northrop Grumman, Pfizer, Cigna, Comcast. So, yeah. Yeah, Cigna. We all know about Cigna, the old health insurance scam. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm very happy to have health insurance, blah, blah, blah. Okay, also interesting that J.P. Morgan. So you have a mutual fund with J.P. Morgan, and my trade picked a J.P. Morgan bond. Yeah, I did not know that. Okay, so, and then would you say that PayPal is then, would that be a growth stock? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a tech stock and it's, yeah, it's definitely more. So it's at, I think I bought it at like 90 something dollars. It's high within the last year, it was like over $300 a share. So it has fluctuated a couple hundred percent in, in, in a 52 week time period. So that will give you an idea of the volatility that that wow. stock typically sees, so. Okay, noted. Wow. Yeah. So you you sort of looked at it and you were like, "Wow, that's really low right now. I'm gonna get it." Mm -hmm. Is that was that your yeah process yeah? <laughs> I followed it for a while. Like it's had it's it's seen like the company's seen a lot of growth. They like take. I just general. I do tend to be one of those people that likes to buy when I'm buying individual stocks. I like to buy ones that I either use like I personally like use that product or it's something that I'm familiar with or whatever and. PayPal, I just know, is, you know, becoming more and more widespread in terms of like your ability to use PayPal to pay for things online. And then I know they bought Honey maybe a couple of years ago now and things like that. So they have a credit card. They own Venmo. Oh, they I, own I just, Venmo. Okay. They do. Not that many people know that, um, but they do. Yeah. I just felt like I had been waiting for a chance, but it was at its high for a really long time. It just kept going like up and up. And I was like, I don't know if I should buy it. Um, so I just, yeah, earlier this year, they had some poor earnings, I think, and had some stuff, deal, a deal that fell through, I think, on, it might've been on crypto or something international that I think initially caused a drop, but it's still, con I think it's still considered a good buy. This is not my recommendation by any means. <laughs> this is something that I'm just doing for myself because I feel like it. Um, oh my gosh. And so I felt Katie. like it was a good time. Katie, with all the disclaimers, always disclaimers. I know, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, Katie, listening to you, I hindsight is twenty twenty. So I'm looking at all the picks I made and I'm like, I just should have had an hour long conversation with Katie before <laughs> I chose everything that I chose. <laughs> um. And also PayPal. So I just did a show last week called The Choice, 
and they paid me on PayPal. Nice. So that's all. Okay, so then there was one more mu- other mutual fund. What kind of stocks are in that one? I forget. Oh, the other one, that was the rising dividends. Let me double check. Rising dividends, yeah. So dividends, I understand. Yeah, so it's going to be composed of companies that have that, that give dividends. And so the largest holding in this fund is Microsoft. Texas Instruments is in here. United Healthcare. I don't recognize most of these other ones. Accenture. This one should have a decent dividend with it, given that it's, it's the rising dividend fund. So <laughs> I assume that's part of why my financial advisor recommended it. I mean, I, I know that like dividends, like say they're paid quarterly. I know like a lot of times it's the same amount every quarter. Sometimes they like go up a penny or maybe they'll go down and that's yep. has to do with earnings or something. So I'm assuming the rising means like these ones are have a dividend and they're they keep raising it or something. Yeah, I have to say I assume the fund has been like actively managed to include companies that are either increasing their dividends or like maybe they shift the holdings like based on who's giving more of a dividend. I don't know all the inner workings. But I did and I couldn't remember how you did your stuff. So I don't know. I was calculating my return today a few different ways. I did reinvest. I do have mine set to automatic reinvestment over the quarter that I've had this both of my mutual funds paid a dividend that I put right back into it. Okay. So since you calculated it and you've had it for let's say three months, so you put a thousand into each one, where are they at? So <laughs> I worry a little bit if I did this wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. And I'll tell you, this is not representative of my entire portfolio, but um, <laughs> one of them is at 1166 and the what? other, yeah. And the other one's at 1294. So what? <laughs> actually, I've, if you include my PayPal game, my PayPal game was only like 50 bucks, but Overall, I'm up like $700. What? 24%, which is crazy. Given the current market, I think I I have to give my financial advisor more money, apparently, because he picked the big winners, obviously. But um, that is not what my, 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 the rest of my investments look like right now. I'm overall down for the year, as I'm sure most people are. I just got lucky with these. So like what that would, you're up 24%. So that includes my dividend and, and reinvestment. So with the rising dividend one, I got a dividend of $85. And then with the, um, mm. or wait, no, it was, a, it was smaller than that. Sorry, I was doing a calc there. I can find that. And then let's see here. The I think I got like $30 from the other one. Or yeah, I was like 20 something from the first one. So overall, I got like 50 bucks, I guess, in dividends wow. that both got put back in for more shares. So. Okay, so first quarter review for Katie, up 24%. <laughs> I was going to say, you are gonna. You actually sound like you could beat Maitre, and man, you did. So Maitre, I know you might not have done the calculation, but can we sort of guesstimate what your calculation would be from three months ago to now? It's a good question. It's a little weird with bonds, because I'd actually need to look at what, if, if we're looking at what the actual growth of the bond is, it would be based on the price like that's that's how i guess people would evaluate a return on bonds so that would be like under the assumption that you're selling the bond and i actually don't know what the price is at i can look it up and let you know at the end of the show but oh, yeah. okay so it's not well, how i would calculate it is i'd say okay it's a thousand dollar bond so we have a thousand dollars there and then it would be the interest would just go on top 
Yeah, well, so if, if we were looking at it from like a holding standpoint, like the way that I would probably have it, there would be no gain in the first three months because the first dividend payment will only be at the six month mark. Uh, okay, I guess okay. you could kind of make a calculation that's like pretend we're getting it quarterly. Like what, mm-hmm, what would that mm-hmm. look like? Um, and if it's 8%, gosh, I don't know. Okay. Can you have to check my math, but <laughs> I think it's like, 80 bucks or something in coupon payments is that correct in three months yeah <laughs> it's eight percent eight percent of a thousand eighty i think it is oh, jeez louise okay well that, all right yeah we'll say crazy. maybe roughly eight percent but yeah you. that that would be how i look at it and it would be more probably informative to look at it at the six month mark when i actually got that dividend and then reinvested that into something else Taking a break from the interview to mention our Patreon page. This show is free and that's intentional. We provide a place where any artist can ask any financial question and we'll get them an answer without fear of shame, stigma, or guilt. Providing that free of charge is important, but there are ongoing costs to keeping this show going and those costs are offset by you, the patrons. So if you're enjoying this show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Part of our mission is to give back to the entertainment industry, and we do that by supporting more than 30 artists and arts nonprofits with monthly contributions. So if you want to join us in this work, please sign up at patreon.com slash artistic finance. And now back to the show. Okay, so I was very interested to talk about your picks because I didn't want to talk about my picks. (laughs) So I'm just going to blast through these because, I mean, who really wants to hear? We've heard this all before. Nothing's really changed. <laughs> Our six things were the S&P 500, ETF, four stocks that I picked, some Bitcoin, a case of wine, REITs, real estate uh, stocks, and then art, which we just bought a piece of art, so that one doesn't count, but I include it. Okay, so uh, Maitre, how do you think that my things have done since we last talked? I think you may have actually done pretty okay because there's been, I don't know what the scaling of okay would be. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I haven't looked into it, but I'd say generally good because I know that like, I know tech stocks have actually had something of a rally um, Mm. as well as the cryptocurrency space. Um, Definitely the S and P has been a little up um, over the last quarter I personally don't know that that's going to (laughs) last, but um, I think you certainly got, you probably got some outsized gains from especially those first three and then REITs as well, because I think the housing market is slowing down, but it hasn't necessarily like fully taken a nosedive to where that would be really affected. I have no idea about the wine. I have not been checking my wine investments. So, (laughs) okay. 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 All right, yeah. Very optimistic, Maitre. I like it. Uh, Katie, how do you think we've done? Yeah, I was going to say something similar. I think you, I'm guessing, did better than last quarter, given that, <laughs> um, yeah, like Maitre was saying, we've seen a bit of a rebound, I think, the last two months or so in the market from the bottom. So I'm hopeful that it's positive. Okay, good. Um, but last quarter, we were all surprised to see that I had gone up 1%. I think things were like going crazy. So I was very happy with that 1% like because everything was tanking at the time. Assuming I've done the math right this time, I am down 1.7% since last quarter. 
And I, I have to be frank, Katie, you mentioned politics earlier. I have not been paying attention to the news or anything. I, I sort of knew stocks were going bad, but um, here's the proof for me. <laughs> I appreciate my trade's optimism, but oh, it didn't work out so well for me. But you know what? You know, Katie's up 24%. My trade's up 8%. <laughs> Um, oh yeah. Okay. So the S and P, so the thousand dollars I put in is now a thousand and thirty-two. So that's up 3% overall. Uh, the four stocks I picked are now at 1278. So they're up 27%. Um, and that's with a really bad stock pick that is down 97%. One of my picks is down 97%. The other ones are better. That's up 27%. The REITs, my trade, yes, did actually improve from the last time. And so my REITs are at 1,038, so up 4.5%. And then the Bitcoin. Okay, so this one bit me because I know my trade, you were saying Bitcoin and tech has like seen a resurgence. Well, let me tell you, before that resurgence was a negative resurgence, whatever that is. (laughs) Yeah. My $1,000 of Bitcoin is worth $416. So it is down negative 57%. (laughs) Oh, no. Which it has always been bad, but this is the worst it's been. (laughs) That was because of that huge, it started after that huge scam. There's this big scam with one type of coin that basically brought down a huge amount of the industry. Mm. Um, And then literally over the course of a week, it went down from 30K or in 30K territory to 20K territory. It was wild. Yeah, I uh, actually know somebody who works for Coinbase. They saw like immediate impacts of that as well, even though it's not their company or their currency that they trade, but um, they had, I think they laid off like close to 20% of their workforce in one day. Luckily the person I know was not one of those people, but they've, I know seen a huge hit because of the the environment and the news around all of that. Um, It's crazy. I mean, I'm just happy I'm doing the thing where I'm just holding it forever, but man, that one was like the most inopportunely timed. But I did see an article like right before this call, Iran just bought like $10 million worth of commodities using cryptocurrency. I don't know if it was Bitcoin. I don't know how they did it and all that. But I'm like, okay, well, if right now while everything is depressed, Iran is still going through and like doing that, then I feel like there's still a future there with Bitcoin. I'm not going to sell it right now. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, because you talked about your wreath being, what was it, 3 or 4%? Yeah, 4.5. So I remember when I told you initially what my investments were going to be, you specifically called out the rising dividends one and said you thought that it was going to be better than the wreaths, and it did significantly. <laughs> <laughs> that was my best one of the three. So. Well, what I'm taking away from this is not only should I not pick, but if I am ever going to pick stocks again, I only want to pick dividend stocks because and rising dividends would probably be the best part of it. The market's going up, going down, different companies do it more and less. But it's like, but if you're getting a dividend at least once a year or every quarter, you're getting something. And then it's like, and it's still a stock. So like it can still go up, it can still go down, but you're at least getting something no matter what. Yeah, I, when I first opened my... Roth IRA, I bought AT&T. And because at the time I was just doing it on like Fidelity or something. And I didn't have enough 
money to make like an investment in a fund worth it yet. So I was like, oh, I'll just do like an individual stock. And that one was a dividend one and it was a high dividend one. So I was like, oh, it's gotta be a safe choice. And it's been fine. Like it's literally, I've had it for 10 years now. It has pretty much been flat. Like I have not made money on the value of the stock itself, but because of the dividends, I have, like, if I look at my performance on all my accounts, it still shows a positive return because it's had such a good, like, dividend over time. Yeah. Because even though I I listen to you with your PayPal choice and I'm like, oh, wow, it's $96 and it had a high of 300 Like, even if it only goes to a high of 200 like, that's got a good future ahead of it. But it doesn't pay a dividend, right? Right. Yep. So I'm sort of like, yeah, there's a lot of upside potential, but also it could stay flat for 10 years. And that's where the, the risk comes hmm. in, I guess. So. Yeah. All right. Um, and then our last investment was wine. And I actually, so we own it through, a case of wine through VinoVest. So I actually like how they've, I think they've updated the way you log in and look at the portal because it, the value is now $1,151. So we're up 15%, but they take out the fees. I noticed in the calculation. So that price is with the fees they've taken out. So it's just a lot easier to look at. So I approve VinoVest of how you did that. Yeah, anyway, so all those combined, uh, because of Bitcoin, uh, because everything else is actually positive, um, but because if I have Bitcoin in there, 20% of the portfolio is Bitcoin, I'm down 1.7%. But even if I didn't have Bitcoin, I would not be up 24%. I'm only one quarter in. You're five quarters in or now, so. Yeah. We'll see next quarter, Katie. You'll just say that every quarter. Well, I'm only two. In. <laughs> <laughs> I got lucky for one three month period. I'm assuming I'll be, you know, eating my words next next quarter. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know. Yeah, I tried to pick half dividend um, when I did it, but even that is not enough. No, and I'm super happy for you, by the way. I'm happy for both of you. See, I'm learning things. We're all learning things. This is this is good for everybody. And also, okay, so I, I asked Ebony uh, what her investment was, but then I said, you know what? We'll save it for next time. So check back in in three months and we'll find out what Ebony's is. But I call this the 6K investing special. You guys combined have put in five. So now we can call this the 11K investing special. And then when Ebony adds a thousand, we can get to 12. Man, we're getting some big bucks here. <laughs> <laughs> and $12,500 is how much money you need for a half investing unit for a Broadway show. So we're almost getting to where we can invest in a Broadway show if we pool. Cool. That would be fun. <laughs> okay, cool. So is there anything you've learned from my my picks or is there something that you've learned from the ones you've done? And I'll start with my tray. Just something that I learned from just caring about Katie's investments and the 24% gains that she got in the past quarter um, is that there can be like this general, like overarching market sentiment, uh, it's doom and gloom and things aren't going great, but there are always opportunities somewhere. It's really difficult to beat a market. It's probably in general advisable to hold things for longer and just see how they perform over time. I think you can always, if you really look into what's out there, find really good opportunities for that time that you're investing in. And so to Katie's point that her financial advisor made it on some really, really interesting, <laughs> interesting uh, funds, like that there's definitely more of that for sure. And so, yeah, doing the due diligence and looking into stuff really helps. So I guess that's a takeaway. Yeah. I learned from every single one of your episodes though, Ethan. So. 
<laughs> doing what you're doing. <laughs> no, I do agree because like I, I would have guessed at the beginning of this call, I would have been like, oh, everybody's down except for my tray who chose yeah. bonds. I just assumed it's been a terrible quarter for everyone. But yeah, Katie, Katie found a niche there. No. <laughs> Katie, what have you learned from either yours or my trays or mine? I always say it's like a learning as much as a little bit of validation. If you know my husband, he is very much more of like the riskier investor of the two of us. We each kind of maintain accounts where we, they're, they're technically joint accounts, but like we retain decision rights separately and we get like competitive with it. And he's always making fun of me when I want to invest in funds because they're the safer choice. And he's always the one picking like the tech stocks and the growth things. And I know his account is doing worse than mine right now. So it just makes me feel like validated for choosing funds because sometimes they can do better. It's not always, (laughs) he's not always going to win out. So I hope he listens to this. Yeah. And validation in my financial advisor. I actually haven't been with him for very long. Very good choice for one of our first investments here so yeah the financial advisor thing that's that's one that i think happens a lot nobody ever seems unhappy with their financial advisor like i'm sure there are people that like are and somebody messed up but it seems like everybody seems very content to have the financial advisor helping and that was that's actually a takeaway i think i took from one of your one of your recent episodes that which is probably a couple months ago now but um you had a financial advisor again sometime recently, right? And that was like, he said something on there like, oh, it was like, worst, what's the worst that could happen from meeting with a financial advisor? Like you find that you're doing everything right and you don't need any help. Like, yeah, you know, so like, it was something to that effect. And I, yeah. and I was like, oh yeah, that's a really good like way to put it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I, I sort of think that too. I feel like everybody should meet with one because even if you're not ready, like even if you don't have money, they're going to tell you that. And then you can <laughs> use that as like a basis of like, oh, well, I need to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. So I think everybody should just right. do it, especially like artists. It's like they avoid finance people like the plague. It's like, you know, no meet with it because like then it's not, it's not in your brain and they are thinking about it all the time. So it's at least something to grow and learn from. Yeah, totally. Okay. Also, I'm not going to approach the old husband there, but it (laughs) sounds like if his things are tanking, maybe we should pull him into this only because I'm feeling a little down. And if I had somebody (laughs) that was lower than me, that could maybe improve my spirits. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure he would be more than willing. Um... (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, you review his investments and if they're worse than mine, then let's get him on. Okay. Okay, cool. So is it safe to assume that we're all just going to be holding these? No one's looking to sell out of anything? Not yet. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, Katie, this is a, like a number of questions for you. And I actually Googled this and somehow I didn't find it. How do I know what the S&P 500 has done in the last three months? Like, how can I find that out? So I will say for myself, I physically just track it with my iPhone stocks app. And it has like in that app, you can see those charts that show you whatever you can change it to whatever time frame you really want it to be. Yeah. What's an app that you have that I might have? That we can... It's like built into your phone by default. So unless you've actively oh. deleted it, you'll have it. And it automatically has the Dow, the NASDAQ, and the S&P 500 as like the top three. So just search Wait. stocks. If you search like okay. where you search for your app. Yeah, there it is. Okay. I'm on an iPhone. Welcome to stocks. Mm. <laughs> Clearly you've opened it before. Um, Continue. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so then for the S&P 500, it shows you timeframes you can look at like the history of one month, three months, six year to date, one year, two year, five year, et cetera. So I look at that a lot to see how it's been doing, to see how indexes have been doing. I'm just so I I typed in SPY, the SP 500. And Mm -hmm. today's August 9th. So it shows me that at close, it was at 411. If I go all the way back to May, and it was at 399. So now I have to use math. So so it's it's up $11. So that's like up 3%, $12. If it's up $12 on 400. (laughs) Is there somewhere that'll tell me it's how, like, what percent? Automatic return for a time of, for a period of time. Well, because I'm just saying I'm down 1.7% in the last quarter. Oh, no, wait, that's since May 5th of 2021. So I'm trying to figure out how do I know like how much your thing has changed from like over the quarter. Okay, yeah, you're, so you're I, looking for the lifetime of your investments or for the quarter. Okay, I I started with the quarter, but now I realize I want the lifetime of the investment. So yeah. I went from May fifth, twenty twenty one to. So yeah, so if you set it to like a two year, it has a two year option. Oh, yeah, and a five year. Okay, and so then, then but like then I just have to hold my whatever the... I have to hold my finger down. <laughs> <laughs> or you can use as I say my other alternative oh. Yahoo Finance is what I like to use a lot and then you can hone in on specific dates and time frames as well okay okay I was hoping there was a place I could put in like May 5th 2021 and then it would say uh, okay the S&P 500 is X compared to then oh, I don't I'm sure that exists somewhere but no I don't have well it. I just asked the finance person that I know hello Katie <laughs> <laughs> to calculate it you look at the what the value is now and then subtract the value that it was in may or the amount that you put in in may and then the amount that it is now and then you divide it by the original one so like divide it by the thousand dollars you invested or whatever or the other thing i just thought of sorry is that if you use like a budget tracking or like a, a website that allows you to connect your own account investment accounts too. So I still use personal capital and on my investment performance, I can choose an index to compare my performance to, and then I can choose a custom time frame, and it will say like uh, S and P was 5%. Yours is four or whatever. And it'll show you like a line graph of how your performance compared to a specific index okay. or it'll create like a blended rate or yeah. So so I went on the stocks app on the iPhone. Thank you, Katie. Mm-hmm. And I went back to May 5th, 2021. It actually S&P 500 was at 415 then. And today it's at 411. So it's actually down like 1%. That's just interesting because I'm down 1.7 to overall. So I'm actually sort of like with the market, I think. Pretty close. So that actually makes me feel a little better. Yeah. So I don't need to be one of those people that's at 24% cream in the market. That's a, you know, that's just not me, you know, it's yeah. not my style. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, for the record, you can customize your watch list. So uh, if you want to open that up and see how all of your stuff is doing, you could put all six of the I don't know. Okay, investments in here and just take a quick glance. Yeah. If I wasn't to. so uh, fee averse, I would put all those investments into like one account. The REITs are in Robinhood, the stocks are in Webull, and it's a headache because I don't know how to operate them all. As you can see, I didn't even know I had a stock app on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe we can can dream, Katie, that one day I will do that. Well, you don't even need to. You just have to put the tickers in. It's not even connecting accounts. Okay, yeah. I went to the spreadsheet today to like 
figure out like where we are. And it was just like a headache. It's not, I mean, you'll be able to do it for everything, but Bitcoin and the VinoVest probably, but it does like funds and equities and like usually rights and stuff too. So ETF, all of it is usually in there. Okay. You're going to like laugh at me, but just know I'm a person that at the age of 34 took a LinkedIn class on how to learn how to use LinkedIn. I think you and I need to zoom and we need to like, I just need your help, like setting it up, even though it's super basic, it's super simple because it sounds overwhelming to me. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. I can, I can show you how to set it up. Um, okay. Also something I was complaining about M1, the app, and that's where I hold the S&P 500 index. So I was complaining about that app because what it's great at is it simplifies investing. It lets you set up a portfolio like pieces of a pie. And then when you put money in, it allocates it to the pie that you've set up. So you can't make individual choices. You can only say, okay, put more into the pie and it allocates it automatically. And that's great for simplicity, but it doesn't do drip. It doesn't automatically put the dividend back in. So I learned that that is not true. It does do the drip. And it's a little different because what it does is the dividends will accumulate in the account. And then once you reach the $25 threshold, then it will put that back into the account. But it doesn't put it equally into the stocks that paid out the dividend. It allocates it to the entire pie. It's like drip, but uh, a little different. So I'm, I'm now like happy with M1 Finance. It just wasn't reinvesting mine because I only have like $12 in there. I don't have the 25. So my hat's off to the M1 people. So it invests your dividends in the entire thing. It doesn't invest it back into the stock. So if you got Pepsi or something, um, and then you got a dividend, it wouldn't invest it back into all back into Pepsi, it would invest it in the entire portfolio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. which I think which I actually like, I think. Yeah. So if, if you had a uh, Pepsi, Coca Cola and uh, Snapple Dr. Pepper, and like only Dr. Pepper was paying out the dividend, it would put it back into all three equally. Yeah, so really it's just maintaining, trying to maintain a specific allocation that you've designated. Yeah. All right. So that's pretty much it. Just some final questions for you guys if you want to answer. And that is, Maitre, what's going on in the bond world? The big uh, overall thing is that there's this federal organization called the Federal Open Market Committee that determines kind of like baseline interest rates is probably the best way to put it. Um, you probably heard interest rates are rising and they keep setting interest rates higher and higher. I don't remember now when it happened, but it was at least in the last week or two um, that they had another interest rate hike. So it's just going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of trickles through um, the rest of the bond market. And then, yeah, I know I bonds are, I want to say at an even higher rate um, for going into November, or potentially could be at a higher rate going into November than the 9.6% that we discussed before. So it remains to be seen um, what it'll look like then. Maybe that's where I'll put the next thousand dollars of our experiment. Um, if it goes up to 10% or something, but yeah, uh, lots of stuff going on in bond world. Yeah. Cause our next quarterly update will be November. I'll, yeah. have, to, I'll have to see what the date is that they redo it and make sure we do it like right after that date. So we can Ooh, see yeah. what the new number is. Because um, yeah, higher than 9% would be crazy. It right? Would be wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or invest in Katie's mutual funds. Um, yeah, exactly. 24%. Double that in some. <laughs> Katie, Katie Berman, yeah. the mutual fund. I would I would uh, allocate $1,000 there. 100%. Katie, is there any uh, sort of investment news that you're watching or financial related news? Again, just because things are still like 
relatively down overall compared to where they were a few months ago. I've been trying to think about like what I should get into, but I haven't found anything yet that's like particularly catching my interest. But I keep feeling like, oh, I should buy some more stuff now while before we rebound too much mm-hmm. and try to take advantage of the dip, so to speak. But um, I don't know. I haven't like nothing has caught my eye yet. Okay. All right. No hot stock tip from Katie. Great. Um, cool. Okay. The only thing going on in my life is that the artistic finance newsletter is going really well. We started it three months ago. I think we started it in May and we were going to do it every quarter. Nicole's heading it up. She's doing it. She's been putting it out every month. She's killing it. And the responses are really great. So we actually get like more feedback from the newsletter than I get from the podcast. Anyway, if anybody wants to subscribe, you can sign up on our website. And if anybody wants to connect with Mitre or Katie, I'll put their info in the show notes. So find them there. Um, Katie, you're going to get like bombarded with, how did you get that 24%? Help me. Who's your financial advisor? (laughs) But yeah. Okay. So that's it. And we'll be back in three months. Hopefully Ebony can be here for that one. Um, But Mitre and Katie, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, thanks for inviting me again. It's it's always fun. Yeah, this is great. Thanks for coordinating, Ethan. That's it for the 6K update. What do you think of these investments and this experiment? Are you enjoying it? And have you learned anything? And have you picked a $1,000 investment to run the experiment in sync with us? If you have, please let me know and let me know how it does compared to us and compared to the S&P 500. You can get a hold of me by emailing artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com. I read and respond to all the emails and would be thrilled to hear from you. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You'll get access to all the bonus content. Thanks in advance. If you choose to do that, join up at patreon.com slash artisticfinance. For those that want to help us out but aren't ready to be patrons, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify to help others find the show, or you can just tell somebody else about this show. That's the number one way that people have found us. So to everyone who has mentioned an episode of Artistic Finance to someone else, thank you for doing that. That's it for today. Until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.